Todd's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I'm preaching from the fourth chapter of Hebrews, and I've entitled this message, The Word of God. We read beginning in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 4, For the Word of God is quick. The word quick means living. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents or intentions of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, the word of God's sight. For all things are naked. There's no hiding from him. All things are naked. You can't cover yourself and make yourself look different in his sight. All things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All of us have to do with him. All of us must give an account before him who sees all. The word of God. I'd like to quote a verse of scripture from Psalm 138, verse 2. Listen carefully. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What a statement. God has magnified his word above all his name. Now, I hope by the end of this message, we'll have some slight idea of what that awesome statement means. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, the writer to the Hebrews says the word of God is quick or living and powerful. What is meant by the word of God? Well, there's the written word, the holy scriptures inspired by God. Now, if we don't have an inspiration given directly from God, we can't know anything for sure with regard to the character of God. We can only guess. My guess is as good as yours. But he's made himself known, his character, in his word. And then we read of the living word. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the word. As a matter of fact, in Revelation Chapter 19, he's called the Word of God. 
He is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God as a distinct person. And the word was God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the word of God. And then there is the gospel message. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, preach the word, the gospel message. Now, somebody may think, well, which one of those three are meant by the word of God? All three. They cannot be separated. The word, the message The Lord said, the words that I speak into you, they're spirit and life. The word from the word, from the scriptures that reveal the word, the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God from the word of God that reveals the word of God. The gospel message from the scriptures which reveal the person of Christ. Now that's the word of God he is speaking of. The written word, listen to this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, God breathed the breath, the life of God. And then there is the living word. In the beginning was the word, the living word. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's called the word of God in Revelation chapter 19. And then there's the word preached, the gospel message, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, this is the word that the preacher brings. There's no power in the preacher's word. He's just an instrument of bringing the word of God. James 1.18 says, Of his own will begat he us through the word of truth. Now, I love Paul's exhortation to Timothy. Timothy, preach the word. Does the word declare itself to be without error, inspired by God? Then preach it. Don't apologize for it. Preach it. Does the word declare that God is absolutely sovereign in all things, the first cause behind everything, God over all, blessed forever? Then preach it. Don't apologize for that. Does the word declare that men are unable to save themselves, dead in sins, completely dependent upon God to do something for them? Then preach it. Does the word declare that God of his own sovereign will elected a people before time began? Well, if it does, preach it. Does the word declare that Christ accomplished salvation? He didn't make salvation available. He doesn't offer salvation. He accomplished salvation by mighty work on the cross. When he said it is finished, salvation was finished. Then preach it. Does the word declare that God saves by grace only, then preach it. Preach the Word. The Word of God, the written Word of God, the living Word of God, the gospel message are inseparable. Now, I've entitled this message, The Trinity of the Word. Now, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. Uh, The doctrine of the Trinity is on every page. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is in the plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You remember when God said, let us make man in our own image. The Trinity is right there. The Trinity is on every page of Scripture. And the Word of God as a Trinity is like these three are one. John said that with regard to the Trinity in 1 John chapter 5. These three are one with regard to the living Word, the written Word, and the Word of which Paul exhorted Timothy to preach the gospel message. These three are one. Now, the first thing the writer to the Hebrew tells us is the word of God is quick. Now, when we think of quick, we think of uh, fast, but that's not what the word means. The word means living. You've heard the saying, I've cut my finger to the quick when you're uh, into the living flesh. It hurts. The word of God is living. Now, this book is an utterly supernatural, utterly unique book. It is other. It's God's revelation of himself. There's no book that can be compared to this book. I think it's almost um, humorous that men uh, write these confessions of faith that they think will summarize the message of this book when this book stands by itself. It doesn't need men's help. This is the Word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is quick. He is life. I've heard people say, Jesus Christ is alive and well. I don't like that. He's not alive and well. He's life. John 14, 6 said, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the gospel message, that's the word that begets life. The Lord said, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. The word of God is quick and the word of God is powerful. It means effectual. Oh, I have so much confidence in the gospel I preach because it's not according to my ability to present it. It's not according to my ability to persuade men. Preach the gospel, it does the work itself. The Word of God is powerful, effectual is what the Word means. God said concerning His Word in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my Word be that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. And that is true with regard to the written word. God blesses it. That's true with regard to the word preached. God blesses it. It's powerful. It always does what God intends for it to do. But that is totally true concerning the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's effectual. He doesn't do anything in vain. He's never a failure. Uh, He said, this is the Father's will which sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. The Lord came to save the elect. That was his intention, and he did it. When he said it is finished, oh, he prospered in what he did. It was no failure. Whatever he intended to do, that's what he did. The word of God is quick, 
and powerful. And next it says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. (laughs) The scriptures are called the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It said of Christ, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And in another place, it says, out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And notice what it says about the word of God being this sharp two-edged sword that is used for cutting. Look what it says it does. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, right off the bat, that tells me that the soul and spirit are two different things. And only the word of God can discern and divide asunder the soul and the spirit. Now, what's that all about? Everybody has a soul. You have a soul. I have a soul. That's what animates us. We have a soul. That's what's intelligent. That's what thinks. We all have a soul. That's what differentiates differentiates us from beasts. We have a soul. But not everybody has a spirit. You see, when Adam died in the garden, you remember God said, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. He didn't die physically. His soul didn't die. But his spirit died. And that is why the scripture says, You hath he quickened or given life to who were dead in trespasses and sins. Your body wasn't dead. Your soul wasn't dead, but your spirit was dead. And when God gives someone the new birth, they're given spiritual life, life that was not there before. Now they now possess a soul and a spirit. Every believer has two natures. The unbeliever only has one nature. He's got the nature that's in his soul. The believer has a nature of his soul. He still has that, but he now has a new nature, a nature of his spirit, the new man, the spiritual man. And the old man is nothing but sin. The new man is nothing but that which comes from God, born of the spirit. He cannot sin. Now, somebody says, how do you tell the difference between the two? If I have two natures, how can I tell the difference between the two? Well, if you're a believer, you do have two natures. But they all come out, both come out of one consciousness. And really, you can't tell the difference. And Peter put it this way. He called this new man the hidden man of the heart, even a meek and quiet spirit, which is not corruptible. It's not even subject to corruption. Now, why does Peter call it the hidden man? Because, me and you really can't see it. We can't look at something we've done and say, well, that was the new man that did that, and that was the old man that did that. No, we can't do that because both men come out of one consciousness if we're believers. But we know from what the Word of God says that we have these two men and it's only the Word of God that can discern between the two. It divides asunder the soul and the spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For the Word of God is quick 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and a marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Only the Word of God can see. You and I can't. I can't see into your heart. You can't see into my heart. God sees into both of our hearts. And look at this verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now God sees things as they are. All things are naked and open unto him. He sees things as they really are and how he sees things is how they really are. Now, you and I can't see like this. I remember hearing one man say, we're all three different people. We're the people, we're the person we think we are. We're the person others think we are. And we're the person God knows we are. And I believe that to be a very accurate description. God sees things as they are. Now, because you and I can't see things as they are, we really can't make judgments concerning anything we see. Now, we're to hear what we hear. We're to listen to the gospel we hear and make a judgment. Is this the gospel of the scriptures? We can make that judgment. But as far as the way someone conducted themselves under some certain situation, we don't know what was behind it. We don't know what they were going through. We don't know what caused the action. We are unable to make an accurate judgment about anything. But that's not the case for God. All things are naked and open with the one with whom we have to do. Listen to this scripture, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw. God sees real well. He sees perfectly. And God saw. That the wickedness of man, me and you are included in this group. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what God saw. When he looks in your heart, whether you see this or not, he, all things are naked and open with him. He sees into our hearts. He knows. I love that scripture in 1 Samuel 16. The Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward appearance. The Lord looketh on the heart. And God saw that the wickedness of man, every man, me, you, was great in the earth and that every imagination, he's not even talking about the works now, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually non-stop. Now, I can't look into your heart and see that. I know it's so because God says it is in his word. You can't look into my heart and see that. You know it's so because God says it in his word, but Uh, God does see things as they are. Understand this. How God sees is the way it is. You and I just don't really see anything. We see through a glass darkly. 
we don't really understand because there's so much we don't see. There's so much we do not understand. But with God, all things are naked and open with him. He sees things as they are. Now, I'd like to close by giving you some scriptures regarding what he sees. Now, how he sees things is as they are. Well, that's, I, I was getting ready to say, would you agree with that? I hope you do. But it's true whether you and I agree with it or not. God sees things as they are. And Luke chapter 16, verse 15, the Lord said this, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now you can just write that down with regard to anything. And the reason that's so is because we're so sinful. That's why this is so. Because we're so sinful. The things we highly esteem are things we ought not highly esteem. The things we ought to hate, we love. And the things we love, we ought to hate. And our Lord tells us that which is highly esteemed among men. And you think of all the things men highly esteem. Power, prestige, all the things they uh, think they can get. It's an abomination in the sight of God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 19, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than God, judge ye. You make that judgment. It's obvious. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Uh, Peter said, make this judgment. What should we do? That which is right in the sight of God or do what you say? That's a no-brainer. Acts chapter 8, verse 21, Peter said to Simon Magus, Thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, Simon Magus had impressed many people. He believed himself to be somebody. He, you can read about him in Acts chapter 8. He made out himself to be some great one. And many people looked to him, trusted him, were impressed with him. But Peter says to him, thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, what was wrong with his heart? He said, you thought the gift of God could be bought. You prove by that you have such a low opinion of God that you think he could accept something that comes from you. And you demonstrate such a high opinion of yourself that you think you have something God could accept. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Romans three nineteen. In 20, we know that the law, whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All God's law does is condemn me and you in God's sight. You take all 10 commandments you and I have broken them all, and we've broken them all nonstop. There is no flesh that could ever be justified in his sight, because by the law is the knowledge of sin. 1 Corinthians 1.29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence, and that's the same word, in his sight. Now, God is such that no flesh is going to be able to glory in his presence as if they have some power. 
God stands alone. He has no law over his head that he has to answer to. He's God. And he answers only to his own attributes. He's God. And no flesh is ever going to glory in his sight. Ephesians 1, 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him or in his sight. Now, if God chose me to be holy and to be without blame before him, you know what? I am holy and without blame before him. And the reason I am is because of what Christ has done for me, not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did. And then when Paul charged Timothy to preach the word, he made this charge in God's sight. In God's sight. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 17, in the sight of God speak we of Christ. Now, the only thing that will deliver man from the fear of man in his preaching and being afraid to tell the truth is the fear of God. If I'm afraid of God, if I have the fear of God in my heart, I'm more afraid of him than I am of what any man thinks. And the one we want to please in our preaching is God himself, not men. Hebrews 13, 21 says, He works in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. That desire you have for Christ, that's him working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He gets all the glory. James 14 says, To humble yourselves in the sight of God. If I ever see who he is, I'll humble myself in his sight. 1 Peter 3, 4, Peter speaks of the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. You see, this is God's work. He's the one who gave this meek and quiet spirit and it's in his sight of great price. Colossians 1, Christ is said to present every believer holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, in God's sight. Now listen to me. This is what Christ did for every believer. Now you may feel yourself to be very sinful. I may feel myself to be very sinful because I am. But yet this is what God says because of the blood of Christ, because of the work of Christ. He presents every believer to God holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Now, he doesn't present them as if they were holy and blameable and unreprovable. He presents them holy and unblameable and unreprovable. That's what the blood of Christ accomplished. It makes every believer that in the very sight of God. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his presence. And that's the actual same word in the original, in his sight. He's enabled to present everybody he represented faultless in the very sight of God. And how God sees things is how they really are. Every believer because of the blood of Jesus Christ, is faultless in the sight of God. And that is what the Word of God does. The Lord Jesus Christ, His gospel message from the Scriptures, presents every believer holy, unblameable, and unrepentant.
reprovable in his sight. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.